Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's edition of Roundabout Sports, presented by Interstate 70 Sports Media, where our passion is our profession. It is Wednesday, May the 3rd, 2023. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am the maestro, Jeremy Carp, and alongside me this evening, we have a, a plethora of special guests, and I want to give it up to my co-host. It's been a while since she's been here, but she's back and better than ever, our one and only Babs. Hi, guys. How are you? Hope you guys are doing well. Babs, it's great having you back on. Um, how, have you, how have you been? I'm doing okay. Just been working a lot and trying to live the dream every day. Absolutely. So as you know, and as we all know, it's going to be a bit of a more, it's a different mood, different type of episode of Roundabout Sports than we usually have, because we are going to talk over the course today about that um, the newest inductees into the Cardinals Hall of Fame. We will be mentioning that, but, and we'll have Parker on for that. Um, and there is your, your bestie. Yay! Best friend's already here. There you go. Jared is back and better than ever. So we also will have the Cardinal Cowboy on today, and we'll be discussing... We'll be discussing with him more of his favorite memories with Mike Shannon. For those that don't know, he's a big-time Cardinal super fan. You'll always find him around with the giant hat and the World Series replica trophy. Um, also, I've gotten word Ray King will be on. He just messaged me, so he will be on uh, later on tonight, so no worries there. Um, and, yes, Nick, absolutely. David Fries is one of the gentlemen who has made it to the induction into the Cardinals Hall of Fame for this upcoming uh, ceremony. But like I said, this has been when what's already been a rough season. You know, it took a sad Very. turn when literally the voice of Cardinal baseball uh, for over half a century, you know, passed away, and that was uh, it was reported by um, here I seventy Sports last this past Sunday on April 30th that Mike Shannon, the longtime Cardinal and basically a St. Louis icon had passed away uh, at the age of 83. He had been dealing with health issues um, for a while. Um, and, you know, it's just, we are, and yes, Parker is uh, going to be joining us soon to give his thoughts and he's gonna be talking about the, um, his favorite memories as well of Mike Shannon and delve a little bit into the hall of fame members we have. So actually we're going to do that right now um, because soon we're going to be bringing in and Jared, it'll be in about 10 or so minutes. We're going to have the Cardinal Cowboy on and he'll be sharing with us some of his favorite memories. Um, Eddie, thank you so much for tuning in this evening. That's always a pleasure. And folks, be sure to subscribe, like, follow us. Um, we're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. I mean, You'll find Babs and I down off Cherokee and Iowa Street this Saturday for Dynamo Pro Wrestling. Um, but yes. yes, let's bring on the one and only Parker being your Parker. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Jeremy. Hey, Babs. Doing just fine. Hi. Um, so go ahead, Parker. <laughs> I would say, Babs, we finally get a chance to meet. I know. I am excited about that. So I am excited to hear what you have to say. Okay. It's always an interesting conversation. 
Well, thank you. Most definitely. So no Parker, problem. delve into us a little bit about um, the newest inductees into the Cardinal Hall of Fame. How about that? I'm before we get into the sure. Before we get into our tribute for Mike. Okay, we got uh, we got three inductees. The fan, the fan inductee, of course, is David Freeze, the 2011 World Series MVP, who inspired the now iconic phrase, we will see you tomorrow night. But David, I mean, aside from that, aside from that moment, I think David had a pretty solid career with the cards. But... <clears throat> I don't know. I, mean, I, I think there were injuries here and there, but I, again, overall, I think he had a solid career. And remember, remember, he was the guy they traded Jimmy Edmonds for. I mean, a lot of people, believe it or not, a lot of people were not too enthused about David coming to the cards because they got rid of a really popular guy to get him. Now, the next inductee is also a fan favorite, uh, Jose Okendo, the secret weapon. He was, uh, he's, was with the Cardinal, he's been with the Cardinal organization for a long time, as a, first as a player, then as a coach. And I think, I think what he is now, he's a roving minor league instructor, something, something like that. I don't, he's not on the major league staff, that I know, but he is still with the organization and he is still I think he's at Palm Spur or the, the Palm Beach team in Florida. I think that's where he's at at Jupiter. Right. I think that's where he's at. Yeah, he's but he's uh he's still assisting in the development of young players. So I'm sure every, I'm sure any infielder that, that comes through the Cardinal system will be getting a tip or two from him over the course of <laughs> over the course of their minor league life but jose was called the secret weapon because you could plug him in pretty much anywhere i mean it didn't matter as a matter of fact in 1988 he played all nine positions that season I mean, he even he even pitched he caught played all three outfield positions it's been a while since I think it's been a while since anybody's done that. He he never played all nine positions in a game, but he did play all nine positions during the '88 season. And our last inductee is Max Lanier. He is the veteran selection. He was an ace car. He was an ace pitcher with the Cardinals. Won a couple of won uh, a couple of World Series with them during the 40s, during the <clears throat> World War II years. I mean, and Max Lanier is actually remembered because there was an attempt to, there was an attempt right after World War II to make the Mexican League the third major league. And I believe the gentleman's name that was trying to do it was Carmen, Carmen Pascual. And among the players they signed, they tried to sign for the Mexican leagues were an outfielder from the New York Giants by the name of Danny Gardella, and of course Max Lanier. And they, Max was 
banned from Major League Baseball for a couple of years because he tried to because he jumped to the Mexican leagues. So let me see if I can pull up his career stats here. Okay, Max. Whoops. Oh, there he is. Yeah, Max Lanier, 1938 to 1953. Let's see. Uh, here's his pitching record. His numbers weren't uh, his numbers weren't spectacular for the Cardinals, but you, you could call them solid, if you will. He in 1943 in particular, he was 15 and se 15 and seven and. Led the league with a 1.90 ERA, had 123 strikeouts through uh, 14 complete games. And unfortunately, the 1943 team lost to the Yankees in the World Series. He was on the 42 team as well with a 13-8 and record. And they won the World Series against the Yankees four, four games to one. And then 1944... He was 17 and 12 with a 2.65 ERA at 141 Ks with 16 complete games. And the Cardinals were a World Series winner that year over their crosstown rivals, the Browns. So as I said, okay. as I said, he tried to jump to the he tried to jump to the Mexican leagues in 1946 and was banned for from MLB for a few years. And came back in 1949, but in the 12 years he actually pitched with the Cardinals, he had 101 victories. So, all right, all very inter very interesting group for sure, Parker. Um, I wanted to bring up this, uh, you know, as, as this is also a tribute show. Before I get your thoughts on your your personal memories, you know, <clears> you've been a Cardinal fan and a baseball historian for such a long time. I like the story Eddie shared with us. Mike Shannon killed his first deer on my brother's farm. Oh, wow. Um, so find that a little interesting one. Um, but Parker, you know, before we bring on the Cardinal Cowboy, I, you know, it it's hit St. Louis hard, his passing. And um, it, it, it immediately what memories come to mind for you? Sure. Um the first one I was it was at winter warm up in 2008 and I I saw Mike and and I I took my boys into his place they were like 7 years old at the time but I didn't care I took them in anyway and we saw Mike the next day. Oh, you've been to my place. Uh, yes, I have and I want to say that your people treated me very nicely. And then in winter warm, yeah, it was in the same winter warm up. We went back. My I brought my boys back to Mike's place, and Mike Mike came over to talk to us. And then, and what was kind of special was I don't know if you remember these guys or not. There were there were three cardinal prospects eating dinner at Mike's at Mike's place. I, one of them was named Joey Mather. He was an outfielder. Another was Chris Perez, a pitcher, and then another one was Brian Anderson. He was a catcher. So they they came over after Mike came over. They came over and talked to us, me and my boys. And I don't know, my boys thought that was something special. I mean, these little seven year old kids—they didn't have to come over. They just they just came over because they wanted to. 
And then I think it made my boy made my boys night. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it did you. for sure. Yeah. My, What'd you say? Uh, oh, I was saying. I was going to say. What, what about you? Those, you know, what are some memories you have in store for to kick us off with Mike Shannon? Well, I think the iconic, you know, 2011 run home run that David Freeze had. If you listen to him call that on KMOX, it is so awesome. And I know this is kind of like a little off the beaten path a little, but I actually enjoyed his his little stories that he would incorporate with the games going on that weren't necessarily a part of what was going on on the game, but I loved hearing his stories and I could just listen to like baseball history forever. Cause I just find it so interesting. And he always had a way of explaining things to uh, let's say people that don't really know baseball so they could really catch up and be there and and know what's going on and he just had a special way of doing that with fans and i i extremely appreciated that i appreciated the stories that he used to tell and everything like that so it's going to be really hard and i know st louis is really hitting hard about it too not just baseball just like the entire city itself he did so much for it yeah i mean absolutely and parker um, we're going to have you on later on in the show, but for now, we, we I'm going to bring on the Cardinal Cowboy himself. He's been a longtime fan for over 50 years. Of course. And, you know, he and his late father, dear, dear members of Cardinal Nation. Um, and so, Parker, we'll have you on soon, my friend. Um, thank you so much for talking to us about the newest inductees into the Hall of Fame, and we'll hear from you soon, my friend. Sounds sounds like a plan. All right. So now I'm going to bring on the Cardinal Cowboy, ladies and gentlemen, here to Roundabout Sports. How are you doing, hey. my friend? Can you guys see me? Can you hear me okay? I've got my yeah. earpiece in. I can hear you loud and clear. I love it. All right. Yeah. We're in my, I built a home studio some time ago. I've, you guys probably seen a little bit of the stuff we do. I, I full-time I produce, yes. produce a, a TV show on ABC where we highlight leaders in the community. Been doing that for about four or five years. Uh, working with the judge, Mike Carter, um, oh, okay. and judge show and, uh, really yeah. learned how to produce a show and do everything you need and, and say, Hey man, I need, I want to do my own thing. Now I quit my job where I was doing real well, but I felt like this is a better way to help serve the community and get out there and do stuff. And, and boy, when you talk about the impact, a guy like Mike Shannon has had on our culture, I wouldn't just say on our community, but on our culture, what an inspiration he has been. And I, as I start to retrospect, it was interesting the other day. Uh, I happen to be up in, in the stadium and, and I get invited to one of the suites and they said, I'll oh, come up here and stop by. And I'm like, I'm not supposed to be up there. Unless I got a ticket. They're like, Oh, we got extra tickets or whatever. I'm like, okay, I'll stop by and uh, walking, walking out. And there went Mike right by me and he waved at me. He says, Hey, cowboy or something. He's, I just caught, caught the end of it, but he, he definitely waved at me. Cause we've, we've talked a few times and done events at his location there, Mike Shannon's. And, and I, I kind of felt bad cause I was like, I should go over and get a one, you know, another picture with him uh, to kind of remember Lord knows that I, I didn't realize we all didn't realize that might be the last time, you know, you, you get to see somebody like that. And he sp they kept on going with the golf cart. I went and talked to a couple of the police officers that I know that work there that we always celebrate those guys. They're all part of what I think helped me to survive what I went through and overcame. Uh, and I think baseball had a lot to do with that. Given I, you know, a lot of people know I was in a coma uh, years ago caused by a drunk driver that hit us. And when I was playing, I was 
finished up a soccer game in college and was playing baseball there too at Central Methodist. And, and uh, just while the Cardinals are such an impact on our culture, our community, and, and this whole region when you, when you talk Cardinals nation. So Mike will greatly, greatly be missed. Without a doubt. And so when was your first experience like meeting Mike Shannon? I mean, I know you had mentioned to me uh, before we came on the air that you had been listening to him for over 50 years. Um, but you had just mentioned about some of those encounters you had. What was the first one like for you, finally getting to meet a guy you listened to for so long? I, I would say the first encounter I recall wasn't a, a, an exact meeting with him. But it was something I was doing around the stadium. And it's interesting because I don't get to hear it. I don't carry a radio in my pocket. You know, my dad used to go to the <laughs> right. games, so I wouldn't hear it. But my friends would text me afterwards and say, you did, you were there with the foul ball or Fred Bird or something, and, and, and Mike's talking about you during the game a little bit. And it wasn't like – it was like once every six months or twice a season at best. But it was those – I just never forget, you know, when you have Mike Shannon mention the Cardinal Cowboy – and, and uh, I know it happened with a couple of the other announcers there because I'm trying to create some excitement and fun and support my team. And every once in a while, somebody notices something about whatever I'm doing, trying to build up what the Cardinals stand for and, and what they do. And so they, that's my friend. That was kind of a neat interaction just to have, you know, oh, there's a Cardinal Cowboy. I'm not sure if the first time he even knew who I was or what I was really doing. He might just, who is this Cardinal Cowboy guy? Uh, what, what's going on here? But uh, after 25 years of doing this, and I came up with 50 years because I'm about to turn 51. I know a lot of people think I'm in my 20s or 30s. That's kind of a joke. But um, I, I, uh, I was fortunate as a kid to be surrounded by it. So I know as a child, my dad was listening to the radio. And so when that was being done in 1972, I was probably, you know, the first year I was born in May. So I literally from birth, I'm certain I was listening to Mike Shannon broadcast didn't really recognize when you're a half year old or a year old and get to be where you're two and three but i definitely remember boy the biggest recollection i have is the 1982 world series and as a 10 year old kid that was like the biggest thing in the history of the world you know uh and so that was just neat and mike shane obviously a big part of that without a doubt babs i'm gonna hand it to you for a little bit um it's and it's just a pleasure having somebody as dedicated, loyal, and so near and dear to so many in the community as, uh, as you, Cowboy. So I want to thank you so much for being on. Babs, I know you got a lot you want to ask about this. There's so much writing going on right now. So the floor is yes. yours. So how many times have you met Mike? Um, okay, so I, I thought maybe we're, yeah, you're going to continue to chat with me. That's cool. I'm doing a little video yeah. here so everybody kind of see what we got. All right. On my social media and everything. <laughs> Got that going on. Um, yeah, go ahead. How many times have you met Mike? Oh, I guess I'd say it was only a couple of times where I met him. And it was in a, in a group setting kind of thing where we're all there together and you kind of walk up and shake his hand. And, and it wasn't like a private meeting with Mike, which is me and him. But there's a lot of charitable events and things around the stadium that you get to run into those guys and, and they join in and, and partake. So, I mean, I, I guess some of the most fun we would have was at his restaurant because after the games – we shot our video for, we, we did our own version of happy, right? Cause I'm happy. And after understanding, yes. I, I did go to grad school for media stuff. So I, I'll never forget my <laughs> media law uh, said, if you're, if you give credit and you're, and you're acknowledging it, because a lot of people are like, what does Al Yankovic do? Right. Completely right, yeah. legal. Right. I said, yes. but I want to say, can I, can I make my yes. own version? Am I going to get in trouble? And I said, no, as long as you're giving credit and you, whatever you do. And we did that. 
So we made our own version of happy because that's what I think life is about. You should be happy. It's, you know, it's people like myself, everybody goes through some big hurdle. I went through this coma that a lot of people hear me talk about and still prove the world wrong and the doctors wrong. And they were saying what I wouldn't be able to do. But I felt baseball had so much to do with my ability to overcome because the skills I learned on the field, you know, and, and what the Cardinals meant to me. And so we did a happy video and I talked to my buddy who was the manager down there at the restaurant. And he's like, yeah, man, come on in. So we got a private video interview. Like they weren't, in, I guess they were open, but there wasn't enough many people there during the day. And it's in the video. I've actually got it on the wall here behind us. I, I even queued it up. Uh, but yeah, you can see this behind me. If you can tell, that's my friend, oh, Jamie. Yeah. That's my friend, Jamie. And that's me. And that's, this is one little still shot. I can play the video of us inside Shannon's, um, restaurant before all the changes they made and I, they moved the location and he had another location already, but, but it was so neat to be inside of there because literally, if you can tell in that picture all along the wall, there's all these famous players and all these jerseys and trophies and just all, amazing artifacts from baseball, from Cardinal nation. And just to be in that room with just <clears throat> myself and, and my, uh, co-star there on their, our little video, Jamie's, Jamie Z. I won't say her last name. She may not want, I'm sure she wouldn't mind, but Jamie Z. And it was just so neat. That was probably my favorite part of the video. Cause we went around Bush and we went around at that time, ballpark village wasn't around. And so it was really right, neat yeah. to have that, to do that video and inside of Mike Shannon's restaurant, which there's just decades. When you would walk by, I guess a couple of times I interacted with Mike a little bit, they would do the post game show in Shannon's. And you would walk oh, yeah. by yeah, okay. on KMOX and you could walk by and you could wave to him and say hi to him. But they would just be sitting at a table with their radio set up talking about the game and talking about the Cardinals. And you'd be able to come up to him on breaks and say hi and get a picture or whatever. I mean, just that establishment had so much history to it. It's pretty amazing and, and just kind of uh, represents what Mike stood for and so much of what he brought to the Cardinals. Yeah, and see, and that's the kind of thing that I really like. I like it whenever they're humble and they remember where they used to, you know, be whenever they were in our shoes, kind of. So I just think that's really awesome that he was like that with you. And um, what uh, what's the first memory of baseball that you remember Mike calling that changed your life, so to speak? Oh, gosh, I'm trying to, you know, you you would always hear it's Jack Buck and Mike Shannon. And then who was speaking? The ones that stood out, of course, because Mike, I think Jack did the live play by play and Shannon was the color guy, right? He would provide the yes insight behind. Uh, and gosh, it's hard to differentiate between who they were, but back, baby, back, 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 get on it. It's a home run. I'm, I'm thinking about home runs from Mark McGuire, I guess, when he's like, yes. get out of here. Home run number 72. If you remember that one, McGuire had, had struck so many long, towering home runs, but 72 was just barely over the fence and uh, cleared the left yes. field bench at Old Bush by like two, three feet. It's kind of a line drive. And there was a question whether or not it was going to get out of the park or not because it wasn't one of these towering shots. But Mike's just like, get over it, baby. It's gone. You know, and that's just kind of <laughs> what you remember with Mike, just for always creating some excitement with his temperament and excitement and everything he brought to the game. Yeah, I totally agree. But I actually just I, I loved how much of a positive influence he was just on everybody that he was around, not necessarily just like the city, but just putting a smile on people's faces. And even whenever he wasn't doing very well, you could just tell that he loved being in St. Louis. And I, I really think fans appreciated that, that he never kind of strayed away from us. So yeah, I think you also appreciate he was just a straight shooter, right? 
he'd be like, well, you know, if that guy would put a little more hustle on the ball out there, that he could have made that play. But hey, it's a long, it's a long day out in the sun here, folks. Maybe he needs an ice cold, frosty one, you know. But uh, those are just the, the just the memories you have with with uh, Mike and and gosh, was, now you think about it, it's like so sad that he's gone because he literally. I've got friends that are really close to him and his family, and they would give me updates and say, you know, he his his health is gone. Uh, not so good here. And they said it's it's really getting, and he wouldn't be in the booth. I think last year was his first year not in the booth in like 50 something years combined with his career or whatever. Uh, so it's just, wow, what, what a treasure. And, you know, I, I do make the, the, the comment that they've somebody seen on my post. I've got to put a couple posts out there. I shared your guys post, by the way. So don't let me forget that. But Thank I had you. people. Yeah. And I, you, I, I, I had an inside source that texted me and said, did you know, Mike Shannon passed away? And it was early on. Uh, the day that, you know, the other day when it, when he passed and I said, okay, let me substantiate this. I want to validate this for some other source. And you were the other right. substantial source that I found that really had it before. Well, anyone thank else. you. Like that. Thank you for that. Lot. Yeah. Well, I don't true. think yes. you have any idea how much hearing that type of thing. And I talked to Justin Strebel on Twitter and he had said something of the similar sort that he trusts me enough with this, but it was just one of those things where you hope you're wrong. You know, it's like if you're wrong, you wouldn't report it, but you hope you're wrong because it's just a heartbreaking piece to um, report on. And because, you know, he wasn't at opening day, so that gave people a lot of, you know, scares and of indicators and everything. But he was at the game. He was at a game a couple weeks ago and people like, okay, maybe things are on the up and up. Um, sure. And then you find out and you get the validations and the con confirmations. And it's just, I think it just. I really wish that he could have been at opening day this year just to have one more. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I, it's I like really with Lou Rock and Bob Gibson, you know, Lou yeah. would get, when Lou, after his surgeries and everything. Um, and Nick, like I said, things like this. It, I, it means the absolute world to me. That's what we here strive for is not to be just, <clears throat> you know, is to not just be as best we can be, but as accurate as we can be, you know. Well, that's um, what we're looking for. There were some people that questioned the post and then and people said, well, I didn't hear it on KMOX. Or I didn't hear it on Channel 4, Channel 5, Channel 2. One guy said, I should be able to Google this, right? I'm like, Google's pretty quick, but I don't know that they index such things every minute, you know. Um, to show up in a search result, but but uh, well, you had I, I, by the time I saw that you had substantiated it and what I'd also heard, I was confident that it had happened. Now, after people started asking me a couple, I'm like, just because you haven't heard of those other places, I don't think we're wrong here. But I mean, if we are, maybe it was misreported, I doubt it. And then it all came pouring down, everybody else heard about yeah. it within an hour or whatever. And I'm like, told you guys, these I 70 uh sports guys are on the ball. And uh, did a great job. We appreciate you getting that out there so that we could all learn and be able to connect. And, and it the post I put out there was a screenshot of your stuff and a link to your uh, page. Yeah, I thank you. Uh, for Babs that. is yeah. actually the one. I actually saw that. that to yeah. my attention. Babs is the yes. one who gets the credit for bringing your post to my attention. Yeah. And so I'm extremely grateful for both of you for that. And you know, I think I listened to some of the. Uh, you know, I, I'm a sports card collector, so it's always nice having Mike Shannon cards from the 60s, you know, when he was actually a player. And, right. you know, but 
and as good as he was as a player, it's sad how his career got cut short. Um, it's what he did in the broadcast booth with one of the greatest in Jack Buck and with so many others, you know, and um, as well as with um, John Rooney, you know, for the past 15 plus years, um, you know, and more than that even. Um, and Nick is who's tuning in loyal followers. His best memory I got of Mike Shannon was he loved life and we need to remember that. Um, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree. I have here actually a statement from uh, Hollywood James Knox. And, you know, unfortunately, he couldn't be on the show this evening with us, but we're always thinking of him. But he wanted to send out a statement with his memories his favorite memories of Mike Shannon. So allow me, this is James Knox statement on the death of Mike Shannon quote. I like many listened to the great Mike Shannon over the years, broadcasting Cardinals baseball and his passing hit hard growing up. There were two voices that turned me on to the radio business, Jack Buck and Mike Shannon. I have worked for two Cardinal radio affiliates over the years. And when working for WYFX was lucky enough to meet the moon man, he was great, a kind and funny soul. With his passing Sunday, my heart broke, but now, Mike Shannon, you finally get your nap. Rest in peace, big boy. And it is interesting because James pointed this out to me, but on MLB The Show 23, if you hit a home run with a Cardinals player, you actually get a graphic on the screen that says, get up, baby, get up, baby, get up. Oh yeah. Home run. That's the one I was, that's the quote I was thinking of that. Was that Mark McGuire's yes. 72nd home run? Yes. Get up, baby. Yeah. Cause it was just, that's what I was saying. Just a shot over the wall. Wasn't a tiring long one. Like a lot, most of his home runs, but, um, but that was get up, get up, baby, get up, baby. And then yeah, 72. So, yep. I mean, so like, there was one of Albert Pujols. I believe it was whenever he hit the three run or the three homers in the same game. And Mike's like, he he was like, oh, well, see, he didn't even have to glare at the pitcher. And then he was like, see, he's just going to trot around the bases, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, that is so awesome. And he was like, he doesn't need to glare at any pitcher. And sure. <laughs> he was well, so I mean, mad. Guys like that, if, you know, Albert has some class. Mike Shannon has some class and that's just how baseball St. Louis baseball in particular, we're known as baseball heaven, right? The premier place to play yes. professional baseball on the face of the planet. I don't know where they play baseball otherwise other places in the universe, but on this little planet, this is the, the everybody talks about it. The players talk about it. The, 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 the visiting teams talk about it. I've got one of my good friends is a big New York fan. And he talks about, you do not want to be a, an outfielder in New York a playing against the Yankees. They harass you. They call you names. They say all kinds of rude things to you and in an effort to give their team an edge to distract you. And there's never any of that you really see at, at Cardinals Bush Stadium. And I think that just shows to the class of, of fans that we have. And then it's a tribute that's kind of the way it's run by with people like Jack Buck, Mike Shannon, uh, our, our past managers and, and current crew we have in place. And, you know, Cardinals are down a little bit by now, but they're not out. And it'll be something they bounce back from. I do have a little bit of a stat. I pulled up that post that I shared. Over 10,000 people it reached. Uh, we had 1,182 people engaged, meaning they liked it, commented, or whatever. 335 reactions. And that was just one little post that I put out. And, you know, we we average, you know, somewhere around that for our posts. And we do, you know, 10 or 12 posts every couple of days. And it was just cool to have somebody had such a cool graphic 
And that's what I wanted to share because you had a great montage of historical pictures of Mike yeah. kind of from all eras. So that's why I chose that one. Besides the fact that you were the first one to report it. And I felt, obviously, I trusted you to say, I think they know what they're talking about. I had another, if you would have been the first one I heard it from, maybe I would have substantiated it with somebody else. But the, the other source I got was a personal friend who knows the family and texted me. I said, probably true, but nobody's going to. But some, I guess you guys have some source like that, too, and can, can prove it. And, and that's kind of Actually, neat. I have to give credit to Tom Lang because he's the one that broke it first. And then I started questioning and then the pieces just started to fall. So I wanted to give some credit to Tom Lang for the story also. The hat man. The hat yeah. man, yeah. Right. Tom and we I got the cowboy, but we got and we got the hat man, you know. And yep. yes, the hat man. Um he was the one that first brought it to the attention. And you know, I spent that entire morning on nothing but focusing on the story like and trying to get every detail and everything and at the same time i was saying to myself please god don't be true because i i'm not trying you know mike shannon is voice you know you hear those that phrase the voice of a generation well mike shannon was the voice of multiple generations and so mm -hmm. you know it harkens back to the week back in 2002 when you lose jack buck and daryl kyle all within one week you know and losing mike shannon hurts you know I was right on that because, you know, I, I think it sums it up. Like I, you know, said in the article for over 70 years, the Cardinals and Mike Shannon and St. Louis, they were all joined at the hip, you know, because it was, he was more than just the Cardinals on the field. It was in the booth. It was at the restaurants. It was the charity events. He was so involved. It was the commercials. I mean, he was all over the place. Um, and, you know, I remember how much everybody was rallying to support him after he was dealing with COVID, you know. Um, and so, you know, just the law, the passing of Mike Shannon just sent shockwaves through everybody. But 83 is one hell of a life to live. The way I'm I with you. And so, and, and I, I agree. I guess it might have been from you that I got that 70 years. And I started ending up on it. That means he started some association with at least baseball in St. Louis, I guess when he was 13 or 14, because I know he went to CBC high school and was a, a standout player there. And then obviously into the, I heard, I understand he went to Mizzou on a full ride to play football. If I'm yes. correct. Yeah. All that kind of information yep. I think I got from you guys and wow. Just so that kind of impact for most of his life being tied into a team like he was, that's pretty amazing. And uh, it's just neat to have, it's, it's so sad. It just really makes me feel like, wow. What a legend, somebody who's actually impacted so much of our culture and community. And now we're going to – the last comment I made that I think felt was tied into this with regard to the impact he's had. And, when, and, I, and I put it on my post and said, you know, Mike, now you're up there. Please say hello to Gibby, Lou, Red, uh, Stan. Um, and I, and I, it was, we lost another one if I'm missing somebody. But then I also said, and my dad. Because my dad, like, literally raised me. I was brought up on baseball, really. I, we're in the backyard taking fly balls. We're in the backyard taking ground balls. We're watching the Cardinals. You develop so many of what you learn about life from competing as a baseball player. And if it wasn't for people like Mike Shannon to be able to bring that to us, who would have done it? And how, how well would it have been uh, understood? And it, it's, it's just an incredible icon. So, 
Absolutely. Um, I want to thank you so much for being on. Before I let you go, we got uh, former Cardinal Ray King uh, backstage waiting for us. And before I let you go, just any final thoughts on just the memory and legacy of Mike Shannon and what he means to you, your family, and Cardinal Nation? Yeah, I would say a community leader, somebody who really contributed, somebody who told it how it was, uh, but it was always up front, didn't hold back, would, would share the inside details. Uh, I like Babs when she talked about the stories that he would talk about and, and the inside things. I mean, that's what you got. Baseball is kind of a slow sport. We joke that it's for smart people, right? You got to be smart to enjoy baseball because it's a complicated sport and you need to have some insight as to what's going on in the player's mind, what's going on in their in the, in the, in the dugout, what's going on um, back, back in the clubhouse. And Mike would share a lot of that stuff, and, and you really got to understand and appreciate baseball as a whole, not just some game that we play or, or watch um, sometimes for entertainment. Absolutely. Well, folks, if you go to Bush Stadium, I'm sure somewhere walking around, you'll find yourself the Cardinal Cowboy with some an amazing hat and a replica World Series trophy. So be sure to slide on by, give him a good handshake, high-five selfie. Whatever he's comfortable with, let's put it that way. And <laughs> we take dozens of pictures every game, and I hope that it always brings more of the excitement to remember, you know, little memories. I've got kids now that they were they were six and seven years old. I've been doing this for so long. They're like, I'd meet them, and I'm like, How old are you now? Like, I'm 32, but I remember oh getting gosh. a picture back with you when you were six years old, and I attribute that the, my love for the base for the game to people like Mike Shan and Ozzy Smith and Whitey Herzog, and uh, I just feel like there's so much the Cardinals contribute to, not just you know, sports, but to our community and our culture. And uh, Mike was a key part of that. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Ladies and gentlemen, the Cardinal Cowboy here on Roundabout Sports. Thank you so Hi, much. Hi, Cowboy. Thank you All for right. being on. Thank Stay you, blessed, guys. My friend. Right, we'll see you soon. Yep. I'll talk absolutely. to you again soon. Get up. Yep. It's <laughs> such a pleasure having him on. And I just love the community aspect that he brings up in regards to what Mike Shannon meant for the city, for just everything as far as St. Louis goes. Like I said, you know, these, you know, we always talk about Stan Musial and how he's connected with the city of St. Louis eternally, but there's something in a way almost overlooked with how close Mike Shannon and St. Louis are connected. And maybe it's because we didn't think that a time could come where he would pass um, until it finally happened. Um, what I want to do now is bring on a good friend of mine. He's former Cardinal pitcher, Ray King. Ray's been a, uh, on the show before, and it's always a blessing to have him on. He is a very dedicated and charitable man himself off the field ever since his career has ended. Um, and he he also, believe it or not, has one of the longest known – he has the longest known streak of its kind, going 328 games without issuing an intentional walk, which spans over four years. Um, folks – I want to bring on Ray King, ladies and gentlemen, here on Roundabout Sports. How you guys doing? We're all right, Ray. How are you? I'm well. You call me trying to cook and do the interview all at once. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if it doesn't turn out, I can blame you or my fiance one of the two, right? Exactly. I'll, you know what? It's worth Just having you on, even if it was for a minute, is just totally worth it. No, I appreciate it. Um, Never blame the fiance. It'll always be our fault. 
See, yeah, we're keeping exactly. you out of trouble too. I'll, I'll take the that. fall. I'll take the fall for the sake of the relationship and the friendship here. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yes. Um. So, first thing, gotta ask, how you been lately? I've been good. Can't complain. Just um, getting things wrapped up. I'm actually going coaching a uh, MLB pre-draft this summer in Niles, Ohio, with Demetri Young. So. Trying to get that going and looking forward to that. Spending the summer up there coaching some young kids and hopefully in a few years we got some kids maybe in a Cardinal uniform. Uh, that would be something we would really love looking at. We really love looking at you in a Cardinal uniform for arguably your two best years of your career, especially, you know, in 2004 where you only had a 2.61 ERA, 5-2 and two record, and you were a workhorse that year too for the team uh, that won the pennant, appearing in 86 games that season. Yeah, I always said I, I come to ballpark expecting two pits. So we expect things when it happened, you're ready to go. You know, kind of like old saying, you know, he who fails a plan plans to fail. So that's why I looked at it to where, you know, me and Kleiner gave Tony a one-two punch with lefties. And, you know, good thing it happened then because today's game, I don't know how long I can last. Yeah, I was going to say it's new a little rule. different nowadays with all the new rules. Um, so – before we get into, you know, your special thoughts and tributes and everything for Mike Shane, I do have to ask, I'm definitely inclined to ask this, what are your thoughts on the new pitching rules that are occurring in baseball, whether it be with the time clock, the three batter rule, things of that nature? I, I like them all. I like the time clock that speeds up the game. You know, don't get me wrong. I love baseball because it's a game that's been around for over a hundred something years and it's played to where there's a winner at the end. Yeah, I don't, you know. Some of the rules I don't like, but the speed clock with the pitcher and batters getting in the box, because sometimes as a pitcher you want to get in and get out to where, you know, you don't want a guy to listen to his whole walk-up song the last two minutes and then, you know, kind of like Nomar Garcia back in the day, you know, flipping his batting glove 20 times, stepping out, stepping in to where let's get the game on the road, you know, just, just have fun and play the game the right way. Uh, you know, some of the things, the bigger bases I don't care too much for and then, throwing over because sometimes, you know, you know, a runner that's going to get a lead, bigger lead, there's certain things he do, you know, push his hat down, he's going to run, some things you pick up to where, let that part play, but, you know, the pitch clock I like. So do you feel that with the pitch clock, does it, do you think that, you know, you're given about 15, 20 seconds to wind up for your next pitch, do you feel that that can throw off a pitcher's mentality when trying to deliver what he's got in store next for the batter? I, I think it goes both ways. You know, you look at Scherzer and some other guys, they will hold it to that last second and go to try to get a guy out. But you notice to where a lot of times when guys get two quick strikes, they use their timeout to make that adjustment to where if they didn't use that timeout, then it speeds up everything. But I just think that, you know, I work fast myself, so I, I love it to where, hey, let's get in, me and you, let's go. And, you know, everybody get on umpires and all that. But, you know, umpires seeing over two to 300 pitches a night. He's going to miss some calls. So fans can relax on that one because you, you get that call, you're happy. You don't get the call, you're upset. So, you know, baseball is a game of instincts and reactions to where from a player to an umpire to a coach, you, it's split second. You got to make a decision. And with the pitch clock, it speeds it up to where it takes the thought process out of some of the young guys. You don't have time to think about it. You got to go. Right. And, you know, I look at, see, the thing with the umpire calls, look, I have my definite fair share of issues with umpires, although my contemporary uh, Hollywood James Knox is an umpire, an NCAA fish, uh, 
affiliated umpire. So obviously I always watch what I say when I'm around him for sure. But at the same time, you know, they have just as much a hard job as any. And, and you brought it up, you know, you got 200 pitches to see. A lot of them are judgment calls, you know, it's, but it's part of the game. Yeah, that's what I say. You know, umpire got a tough job. And I tell anybody, even go volunteer at your local little league and umpire behind the plate. I seen a thing on Facebook the other day. I think, I can't remember what city it was, but they were saying if the fans argue with the umpire, they have to go volunteer. For it's in New Jersey. Fire. Yeah, New Jersey. They have to be umpires for three games. To where you get back there, you see it to where everything is like bang, bang, especially on the pitches, you know, especially now these kids like Jordan Hicks going 105 miles per hour, and then all of a sudden here comes a slaughter to where now I'm looking on the level and I got to see if we're ever break over the plate to where it's a tough job. But like I tell everybody, baseball is the best sport in the world because – you know, you got a round bat with a round ball. You're trying to hit it, and there's nine guys positioned, and nine out of ten, that ball goes to one of them nine guys. And it's just – it's fun. And then as a hitter, you know, you get three hits out of ten, you go into Cooperstown. In business, you get three, 30%, you're out of business. <laughs> I do like that one. That's a good one. Um, Bab, So, Babs, you have – I'm going to pass it over to you. I'm going to stay here. Don't worry. But you have an interesting story. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you. Yeah, I, I was going to yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you, do you remember at winter warm-up, I think it was in either 17 or 18, when you actually tried to buy the boots off of my feet? Do yeah, you remember cold. those? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They may not fit, but I was trying. I'm, I'm an Arizona boy. It's hot here. See? I, I got still them. have together. them. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. I wonder if he remembers that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. See, so, that's yeah. what I love about it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's great. And I'm glad to see you again. And uh, if you need those boots, just, I mean, holler and I'll send them to you. <laughs> I know we did have a cool uh, spring here, so maybe next year if that cool, I have to hit you up and get them. I spoke around. I mean, yeah, my in, my inbox is wide open. <laughs> oh my gosh, I, 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 I can't have believe to you ask, made me bring that up. <laughs> I, I, you didn't think I was not going to let you not bring that. I know. Okay? There's no way. So Ray, I have yeah. to, I have to say, so you know, you have been part of so many major league clubs in your career, so many organizations, and part of, more importantly, so many communities. Um, and what was it, when you were in St. Louis, what was it like just being a part of Cardinal Nation and part of that community? Well, I'll tell everybody, I never forget and that December of 2003 when I got the phone call and said, you know, you got traded to um, St. Louis from Atlanta. You know, I grew up you know, right outside there in Tennessee where I grew up a Cardinal fan. I remember coming when I was 11, 12, 13 years old, 84, 85, 86. Cardinals sitting up in Big Mac land, seeing Ozzie Smith, Willie McGee, Vince Coleman, Tudor, Jack Clark, Tom Pagnazzi, all them guys to where I sat there one day and said, man, I would love to be pitching at this place. And I got that call and then I got to spring training and I walk in the clubhouse and, you know, there's, you know, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock, Red Shaney, Stan Musial, you know, Willie McGee, all them guys that still came around in spring training to where it was like a kid in a candy store to where, you know, at that point I already had, you know, three or four years in major leagues. But I feel like when I got in St. Louis and got to Bush Stadium for that first game and I walked out on the mound, 
And I looked up in Big Mac land, just like, man, 12 years old, I was sitting up there rooting for the Cardinals. And now I got the birds on my back, on my chest. And now part of it to where I was a kid in the candy store to where, you know, once a Cardinal, always a Cardinal, you know, from 04 to even I came back this past um, home opener, I was there. And then I went on a cruise this past uh, January. So I'm still involved. And I love it where the Cardinals always keep you in loop. If you're the first guy or you're the 26 on a roster to what I always keep you going. And then, you know, the Cardinal community there to where when I got back this past opening day, it was like, I was just still playing, you know, the fans are still unbelievable, you know, 40, 45,000 every game. And, and just the history there to where, yeah, we started out a little slow this year, but you know, like I tell the fans, you know, you can't win every year. So got to take our lumps, but hopefully get back. But like I said, birds on the bat on your chest, you can't beat it. I wholeheartedly agree. And you had mentioned a lot of the names. I mean, Stan Musial, Lou Brock, Bob Gibson, Red Shanius, Willie McGee, you know, all these guys that it, it's literally a carnal for life mentality because, you know, um, and our and our loyal follower, dear friend Nick, uh, commenting about your legendary fastball there, Ray. I know that was one of your specialties um, during your playing days. Um and I believe you had a pretty strong slider as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, good old, you know, two-same fastball slider to where, you know, I was fortunate enough where, you know, I had my – that year, you know, seemed like no matter what I did, it turned into roses. So that was a great year in 04 to where I come in base load, nobody out, get out of it, or come in second, third, one out, get out of it to where, you know, we had a great team. Unfortunately, Boston was hot that year, but uh, I'll take that team any day, 105 wins to where – you know, Larry Walker get traded over there, come in, base load, and strikes out, get a standard ovation. So it just shows what type of fans they are. And as a player, when you get that push behind you, you can't do nothing but have success. So I tell a lot of guys that's getting traded there, signed there, it's the best place you're going to play baseball. You had mentioned earlier about, you know, this was like a kid in the candy store for you because you grew up in Tennessee. So you were close. You were growing up a Cardinal fan. What was it like listening to the Cardinal games on KMOX? I know KMOX it has such a strong signal. It reaches out, honestly, to the south. And so for it to – for you to be able to hear, be a part of the organization you grew up listening to and watching, um, what was that like for you? It was unbelievable, you know, to go back to, you know, uh, Jack Buck and going into Mike Shannon to where it was just – you're sitting at home and you got the TV on, you got it turned down because I like the radio broadcast better. You got that in the background and just the history and the knowledge of, you know, listening to the game and the guys go down in a clubhouse before and post game. And some of the stories that, you know, uh, Shannon and Buck was say to where it just make you feel like you were right there with them. You know, you're sitting in like you're sitting in a clubhouse or you're on the field with them to where they, they tell a story where, an eight-year-old could get it or a 98-year-old could get it. And just to listen to Cardinal baseball, they had time. You know, Whitey Herzog managing, and you just kind of see Vince and Willie on first. You know they're going to get still second, still third, and ground ball to second, short, infield back. You got to run, and they just told a story to where it was just Whitey ball. And then, you know, leaving there, going into La Russa area to where you just – you listen to it. Even when I play for other teams, I still tune in to the Cardinals because – you know, legendary broadcasters and legendary organization. You can't beat it. Babs, I'm going to pass it over to you. I, you know, it's it's wonderful. You know, we talk about as fans how wonderful it is to listen to Camel X and you listen to Jack or Mike or 
John, but to hear, you know, those within that have been a part of the organization that are part of the family, you know, being able to hear for so long. And Babs, what's that mean to you? I know you, I'm going to give you the floor here. Well, my only question that I have really for you is, is there any kind of a memory that you have of Mike calling or saying something about you that was funny on air or that you remember of like just him being like maybe, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, supportive. Was Is there anything like that? Well, even from Mike Shannon, I remember when I first got traded over, came in spring training, and then, you know, after a couple of weeks of spring training for the game start, you know, broadcasters would come down. And first time I saw Mike, and Mike looked at me, he's like, ha-ha, big boy, we're going to have a good season. And he's, <laughs> you know, big boy you know, coming at his voice and just looking at him and knowing that, you know, from a player to the 70s all the way up to 2004, been that part of the organization. And then getting into the season when everything started out, you know, he would come over, he's like, hey, big boy, come on over to, you know, a restaurant Friday night, we're going to do an interview, you know, you know have a drink and some, some good food to where there's many times I'm like, I would love to come over. And then after games, just sitting here talking to him and just listen to him go back and forth about, you know, their playing days to guys now to where Mike was just an icon, you know, Shannon's restaurant right across from the ballpark to where, you know, Friday night she come in, there's still 40, 50 people from the game, just set the game for two or three hours, came over Friday night, listen to him live after the show. And then just, having him around a clubhouse to where his voice just carried to where whenever you start talking, everybody seemed to stop and gravitate toward him and just listen to his stories because, you know, some of the stories you can't tell on, on radio or TV, but <laughs> as a player, you really enjoyed it to where, you know, he's the type of guy where he lets you know how he feel, what he thought, how he thought, what he was thinking. And then in the radio booth, you just sit there listening to him a couple of times in a clubhouse. We're in a clubhouse and listed the first couple of in before I got to the bullpen. And Mike would just, you know, hey, it's a great Friday night, you know, let's go, you know, get up, get up, get up, you know, things like that to where you just hear it in his voice to where when you ask that question, I can just hear it in my head, his voice to where he's an icon and, you know, sad that we lost some great Cardinals from, you know, Bruce Hooter to, you know, Mike now and Red Shaney's, Lou Brock, all them guys who are them are icons and Mike fit right up there with them. And there's a Mount Rushmore in St. Louis, Mike will be up there with them. Was there anything that he's ever said to you that stuck with you through the years that was pivotal to your playing career? Well, he just, he, Mike always came to me and he's like, I like your approach. You know, you warm up in a bullpen two or three pitches, you come on the mound two or three pitches, and you got that look to where if you're Barry Bonds or a guy just came from Tripway, this is my mound, this is my situation, and you, you challenge them. And we hear that from, a guy at X-Statue to where he appreciates your work. It just makes you want to get that much hungrier each time you come in. You're thinking, okay, I set the persona and other people see it. And then how Mike Shannon see it and said to me, that was just a you know another push in the back to where, hey, let's go downhill, big boy. That's so awesome. <laughs> you know, I really love, you know, how welcoming he always was to everybody, whether it be, you know, from within the organization or just within the community. Um, you know, it's funny to me because as exciting as, even as the years went on and, you know, his health started to decline, it was like listening to Mike and then John on CamelX was must listen to radio regardless. You could tell he was starting to slow down, and then he reduced his schedule to where he would only call home games. 
but at the same time, it was still must listen to. And I think, you know, a big part of it was because he brought you that emotion and that storytelling aspect that you don't get as much of these days. And of course, you know, because everything's becoming so modernized and, you know, Mike Shannon was, is what was sadly one of the last of the old school style broadcasters, you know, um, Bob Euchre's one of the last living ones, um, Dennis Matthews with the uh, Kansas City Royals. So, you know, it, it's just, it was wonderful always getting a chance to tune into a carnival game on the radio, you know, whether, whether if you're in a bullpen or you're out on the road or something, or just not able to be in I think the perfect thing, Ray, and I'm sure, you know, for a guy that spent so much time at Bush Stadium, you know, you walk around the ballpark and what is it? They may have the TV on, but they have the radio broadcast playing throughout the sound system. Yeah, like I said, you know, you go back to, you know, the Hallis Callis in Philadelphia, you know, Ben Scully in Dodger Stadium, you know, Euchre in Milwaukee, then Mike Shannon in St. Louis to where, like you said, them are the last, quote unquote, in a good term, the dinosaurs of radio to where, you know, they told a story and they had you in tune to that story to where he can be talking about, you know, you know, Jeremy out fishing and caught a big old catfish. Oh, there's a swing. It's a deep drive. Get up, get up. It's going and go right back to the story about you fishing to where he kept you in tune of the game. But telling your story to where it's just like, I just got a life lesson while listening to a baseball game to where he just kept you in tune and kept you on your toes. And, you know, it was kind of like, you know, like telling a story and then broadcasting the game and telling what's going on in the game, you know, first and second, nobody out, you know, here's a pitch, it's a swing, fly ball to right, and then go right back into a story, into the commercial break and come right back to it to where, he was just, you know, he was an art at it. And, you know, for him going from playing into broadcasting, you know, you would think, he, you know, he grew up and wanted to be a broadcaster, not a baseball player, but he became a great boss broadcaster after baseball plan. And then to do it back in your, you know, your hometown where you played for so long. And, you know, if don't get me wrong, from the 70s all the way up until, you know, recent to where that's a long, long time, longevity. And evidently they loved him because he stuck around that long. You know, I think one of my favorite quotes of his, and he, and it's also like you said, you know, the, the term it's a term of endearment in this regard when you're talking about the old dinosaurs, if you will, of broadcasting. But he always had his terms of endearment, and I think one of them for me was whenever there was a special holiday. So I Mother's Day comes to mind, and he always would start it off by saying it's Mother's Day. So a big happy birthday to all you mothers out there. <laughs> yeah, Mike Mike had a, a way of words. I always joke with him because I say either you got that's their favorite black jacket or you got 300 black jackets. No matter when you see them, <laughs> you have a jacket on to where you either got one that you love or you got 300 in a closet, you just rotating them out. But, you know, like you said earlier, Mike is a guy that he never met a stranger. To where if a guy just got off work or you know billionaire walk in the room, Mike didn't care because he was you know he was a light in that room and like I said, he never met a stranger. Absolutely, I you know I wanted to ask you this, and you know this is something that's actually unfortunately 
it's it's all come at a bad time. So with the base with MLB and the MLBPA with the new collective bargaining agreement, they came to talking in regards to corporate sponsorships and advertising. And the Cardinals already had a patch on their jersey as a tribute to Bruce Souter, you know, the Hall of Famer. He had passed away. Um, well, now, unfortunately, we had thought they were going to announce a patch or something commemorating Mike Shannon. Turns out it was a corporate sponsor patch on the jersey, and a lot of people are giving a lot of flack on the organization or just the whole thing the MLB in general because of this, because it's actually, if anything, more of an MLB move. I wanted to get your kind of thoughts on that, you know, especially since it's, it's not just that they're putting it over choosing to put a corporate sponsorship over a a deceased legend, but also cutting short a tribute to a hall of famer in order to do this. Uh, It's just, you know, unfortunately, and, the world of sports now is all about making another dollar. You know, you look at some organizations that, you know, I paid $200 million for this organization that's worth $6.6 billion to where, you know, I think there's enough uh, TV, radio, print ev- uh, revenue coming in to where don't quote unquote muck up the uniform with advertising. You know, I was watching basketball all night. I think somebody had a crypto on their jersey to where if I'm a fan, I'm not looking for the advertising. I'm looking for the player and what they're doing. Uh, but, you know, it, it's tough because ownership is, you know, where can I get another dollar of revenue? You know, if you hadn't seen like out here, we got a new owner with the Phoenix Suns and he was saying he's yep. going to find a way to take the Suns game off of cable and put on regular TV because you want the regular fan that can't afford that, ticket, but still can sit at home on local news, can watch it. And I I applaud him for doing that to where sometimes I think owners get so caught up in the corporate world, they forget about little Johnny and Jack and Jill sitting in a stadium that paid, you know, 10 years ago was $8 for that ball. Now it's $15 for that ball to where I just think from the corporate side, I think there's enough revenue coming in from, you know, TV, radio and everything else to where, don't muck up a nice, beautiful Cardinal uniform with patches all over it. I remember going down to uh, Mexico playing in the Winter League and, you know, had patches on pants, shirt, to where if you were extra large, you had to get a 2X because you got so many advertisements. All <laughs> oh, God. So you're, so you're basically a walking billboard at that point. Right, right. So <laughs> right, I, yeah. You know, they do it to keep it small, but like I said, you know, that nice, you know, cream on that blue uniform on Saturdays and Sundays, look great without, you know, 18 logos on it for advertisement. You know, to me, that just takes away from the uniform. They kind of remind me of a NASCAR car a little with all their, you know, (laughs) corporate sponsors and everything. You don't know what their actual sponsor is. So it's really confusing. The baseball revenue has went up every year. You know, you got Teams like, you know, Cardinals, Dodgers putting 40,000, 50,000 in a stadium. And then you got Oakland, which is a quote unquote mess out there. So hopefully they get to Vegas and get some revenue, get some people back in the stands at a new stadium out there. But overall, baseball is in a good state, I think. And then with the bargaining agreement, I think too many young players don't invest in the future. To where when I was playing, you know, I was an executive rep, I was a player rep, to where I'm in 
getting involved in everything to where someone asked me a question, I had an answer to where I think it's now at the point where some of these kids don't even know who Kurt Flood is. And that's a shame to where, you know, league minimum is what, 727 30 right now. And yeah, it's about don't understand why they got it so good to mm-hmm. where I think they go back and, you know, when I was younger coming up, my first thing was with the Cubs. You know, I couldn't leave the clubhouse until, you know, Gracie, Morton, Danny, and Gaiety left the clubhouse to where you respond. You sat and listened to the stories, you know, having a cold one after the game to where, you know, you're learning the game. You know, now these kids trying to get out of the locker room. The game over at 930, 945, they're walking out of the clubhouse trying to get back to the hotel and play Fortnite. Yeah. No kidding there. <laughs> we we... – <laughs> Right, we got a special. I feel uh, you. I'm sorry. We got a special thing. So Hollywood James Knox, our dear co, I guess he had heard me talk about umpires earlier in the in the interview, and so he had to jump in. But You're there's a story that there's a story um, that he wants me to ask you about. It's he says, ask Ray King to tell the Brad Thompson suit story. I have heard it from Brad. I don't recall that one. That one's throwing a blank on me. You have to refresh me on it. Uh, I'm going to have, if I hear it from James soon, I'm going to definitely reach out to you and let you know about that. That oh, one, definitely, actually, definitely. That one catches my curiosity. And you got yeah. mine too. Yeah, mine too. Um, I can't remember it. You know, then of course, Eddie tuning in as always. Really big fan having you on. Um, and so we got a question here from Nick, and I know you have had hundreds of teammates over the course of your career. What is just one of the kindest, best ones that came to mind that you had the pleasure of playing alongside? Well, first off, Kleiner, uh, Steve Klein, you know, everybody know Kleiner. We call him Dirty Kleiner. That hat was a mess, but he's probably the guy that would give you a shirt off his back. And he was competitor. So when I got there in 04, you know, usually when a new guy come in, especially another lefty, you're going to have a little friction. But we, we hit it off in the first day of spring training to where, you know, matter if I'm pitching to six, you pitch to six. We got another one seventh, eighth inning to where we had a doublehead monster that year, and it worked out. But, you know, Kleiner was a guy where he kept everybody loose in the clubhouse. And there's some times where, you know, Kleiner kind of put up one finger one time to La Russa, and they got caught on camera and little – a little fun in the locker room with them too, but Kleiner was always a guy to where he was straightforward, honest, great person, and you know didn't have a filter. So he was one of one of my great players. And then uh, other ones probably um, when I was in Atlanta with um, Russ Ortiz and um, Marcus Giles. You know when I came over to Atlanta, them two guys were just you know stand up guys, giving you you know the way around town, what to expect, and how to you know played a game as a Atlanta Brave. And so with them two there, but I think Kleiner was probably my top teammate. And Nick definitely brings up and you in Nick or then Steve Klein actually had himself a, a great reputation here in St. Louis. The Cardinals even once in 02 had a promotion called Steve Klein hat day yeah, dirty just hat because day. of hat, just because yeah. he had a dirty hat. He always wore. Now here's the story. So James is, uh, James is commenting. And first off, I will say, Yes, you may nice to umpires. Well, we'll debate about that later, James. Uh, but anyway, so Brad Thompson says that you gave him his first suit when he got to the major leagues. Oh, yeah. So that was in uh, end of spring training. So we have a company called LAV out of uh, LA for advertising for you guys. Send me a new suit since the old guy. Uh, but I always took, you know, a rookie no matter what team I was on and, you know, got him that first suit. 
to where just let them know to where evidently you did something right in the spring training or beginning of the season, you carry yourself well or respectful because a lot of guys come up and, you know, they think they made it, but they only have one day in the big leagues. They, you know, I get to clubhouse at 3.30 or, you know, whatever, and they're coming in behind a veteran to where, you know, Brad was always a guy there. He was there early, stayed late. And so you saw that. So you kind of want to reward them guys instead of, you know, you pick on them, you pick on them, but also you want to reward them for learning how to be a professional. Just like my first year, Mark Grace had me in Pittsburgh at 2 o'clock in the morning trying to find a pack of cigarettes at 2 o'clock in the morning in Pittsburgh. And I'm like, what is this guy doing? Next day I got to go get something else. And then finally I got smart enough. I just bought two cartons and kept my room when he called me 30 minutes before I knocked on his door and gave it to him. But, and then we got to New York, he bought me a couple suits there. So it just goes to show you putting your dues and it's not really hazing. Uh, it's just, you know, you're earning your keep to where some of these guys now you can't even talk to them to where they're looking at you. Like I'm in the same status as you. Like, yeah, we're in the same locker room, but I earn my stripes. So you need to earn yours. Yeah, I, I do like that's a good story, most definitely. That's really awesome. Uh, so Jessica has a question, and Jessica, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, weird question: What was your motivation for playing baseball? What got you into uh, wanting to play baseball? Well, I, I played every sport, but I remember when I was like nine, ten years old. All my cousins in Tennessee were, you know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, and they didn't take it easy on me. To where that's where I learned you know, the toughness to where you get knocked down, you get back up. But baseball was a sport that been a lefty and I started pitching right away to where it came natural with a little work. I got better and better than um, my junior year in high school. Uh, i never forget. We went 27 and five and we lost five games to the same team, Montfort. And then that next year, my senior year, the guy at Montfort got the coaching job at Lambeth. And I remember him coming recruiting me. He's like, you got this stuff where you can pitch in the major leagues for a long time. And that kind of really you know, lit the fire even more to where when I got to college and I started looking at, okay, what do I need to do to get to the next level? And three years later, I got drafted. And four, you know, after that, and then three years in the minors, I made it to the big leagues to where baseball was all this sport to where it humbles you. And I loved it. And I'm a competitor to where – no matter who you are, if you guy just got to the big leagues or guy just coming to high school, I thought I was better than you, and I always went out and tried to prove that I'm better than you. But you off the field, we're the same. But when it's time for me to come in, you know, you try and take food off my plate, and that's not going to happen. Absolutely, Parker. Or um, Ray, I, I know you, I'm sure your fiance is ready for you to have some dinner. <laughs> she ain't without um, me. How, how bad is that, babe? Babs? <laughs> Do you want to What'd you say? She ate without me. She oh, ate without you. Oh yeah. my gosh. And I tried to be nice to her. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. Oh man. <laughs> cut off. No, this is this is great. Anytime I can come on and talk yeah. about you know the great game of baseball, especially St. Louis, and it's such a you know bad time to lose a Mike Shen and anything I can do to help you guys anytime. I'm I'm more than welcome. And you know, spread the, you know, the great news about Mike to where let's not be sad about it. He's going to a better place than what we're going through down on this earth to where he's probably up there telling the story right now to, you know, all the former great Cardinals right now, smiling down, looking at the Redbirds and saying, you know, let's play too. Absolutely. He gets to yeah, tell we... Stan that Albert played for the Cardinals again. Oh, yeah. Yes. 
Oh yeah, look at this. <laughs> so you went to high school in Ripley, Tennessee, and James was actually born in Union City, Tennessee. How about Union that? City Tornadoes? They had a guy, pretty good basketball and baseball player there called Rodney Barnes. He was a pretty good player there, but yeah, Union City, Ripley, Obine, Browns rules where in basketball where Tony Delk went and um Steve Worley, a couple of guys um, made it to the big league. So that little small area there, we got a lot of guys in professional sports. Al Wilson in football with the Broncos was in. Uh, oh, Al Wilson, okay. Yeah, was in Marlin, Tennessee, and then Tony Delk in basketball was from Brownsville, and then yeah, I was from Ripley, and then we had some uh, another guy from Covington. So then Memphis, we had Anthony Hardaway, and all them guys. So we had a lot of talent in that little small pocket of West Tennessee. How about that? Yep. And- it's, it's great having James on to at least sh- showcase his the tornadoes and, and rep his tornadoes, you know. <laughs> although, so I want to go. I do. I do have. Oh, here we go. James says he's faced Derek Turnbow in Little League, actually. Well, see, James, like that one guy, you had a bar is always Little League, not college or minor leagues. It's like I face him in Little League. Did, yeah. you, did you get a hit, James? That's the question. Yeah, I was gonna say, James. That that's the question. We're gonna wait and see if he hit, got a yep. hit. Um, and, and see, I definitely can't wait to see this answer. Um, <laughs> while we wait for that, I know I have Parker backstage. He he has a question. He he has to ask, he wants to ask you. He's been very eager to meet you, so I'm bringing Parker back on, Ray. Okay. It's no trouble for you. So, yeah, no Parker, problem. welcome back on, my friend. Well, um, thank you. Parker, this is Ray. Ray, hey, Ray I, I just, uh, <laughs> I know when, uh, what was it, 04, you had 86 appearances. That's yes. that's quite the uh, load. Yeah, four uh, more than half. You, uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, you came with it. You came within three of, you came within three of Kleiner. Right. Kleiner has, Kleiner has the record for the team. And, a reliever from the Los Angeles Dodgers, Montreal Expos, Minnesota Twins, etc. Mike Marshall actually has the major league record with 106 appearances. So and honestly, oddly, you weren't too far off from that either. Yeah, no. well, oddly enough, oddly enough, Mike, 100 when you count the playoffs that year. Oddly That's enough, Mike Marshall me. holds the the record for appearances in both leagues. Wow, that is crazy. Because he, he pitched in 92 games for the Twins a few years after the 106. Right. Well, we have our answer, Ray. He was wild then and still was in MLB. See, it looks oh, like he, he got didn't, hit. He so he got his one in butt? I think he got hit. <laughs> I think he got caught. Yeah, well, we'll call that a swing. And I'm out. Have a drink. Yeah, we're, we'll have, have a, a swing and butt call today. <laughs> oh, oh, well, you man. guys, I'll see you later. No, exactly. There's going to be hell to pay when, he, when James comes back and talks to me about, yeah, so about oh, me getting my hit gosh. when Derek Turnbow James literally. You know, on the bright side, at least it didn't happen to me. It would have been a lot more painful. Right. <laughs> On a lot more bigger stage, too. I wonder, I wonder how fast those little league kids can actually throw. Right. Folks, welcome, for those that are just tuning in, welcome to Roundabout Sports. I'm the maestro, Jeremy Carp, alongside Babs, Parker Binia, and, of course, former Cardinal pitcher and longtime baseball reliever and just charitable activist himself, Mr. Ray King. 
Ray, you've shared so many amazing thoughts on the passing of the late, great Mike Shannon, shared so many introspectives about your career um, and things that have gone on in current state of Major League Baseball as compared to what it's been, what it was, you know, honestly, just a decade, decade and a half ago um, when you and Steve Klein and Tavares were playing. Um, this is an interesting question I got sent in. Um, I didn't know whether to share it because I was, I'm trying, oh, it's here somewhere. Oh, well, I saw it somewhere. I thought it was, you know what? It might've been the teammate one because at first I thought it was team. At first I thought he was asking, Nick was asking, what's your favorite team to play with? I'm like, oh gosh, I can't imagine putting him on the spot for that. <laughs> um, but I'll ask you this question. What did it mean to you to have the, uh, in a career, in any sport, you know, the tomorrow is never given to be able to play at the top level. And for you, you did it for a decade. You know, how does that mean to you, not just from a physicality standpoint, but just from a mental standpoint to say, hey, I went out there and for 10 years I did this and I did it well. Well, I tell everybody, you know, that first day, you know, I remember and uh, when I got the call, I was in AAA, Oklahoma City, and I was with the Cubs at the time. And I got, a, you know, I got back to the hotel and, you know, now I'm going to age myself, but the phone's with the little orange light flashing in your room. So we had played a game and a couple of guys went out, had a couple of drinks afterwards. I get back about 3.30 in the morning and my lights flash and I check the message and uh, Bob Bryan's our attorney is like, you go into the big leagues. And I'm like, you know, you're kidding me, right? Quit joking, quit playing, you know, because, you know. And he's like, no, you're playing, you know, you got a 7.30 flight tomorrow morning. You're going into Atlanta. And, you know, so I get my bags packed and the team is going back to Iowa. I'm going to Atlanta. And I get to Atlanta and I got no bags because they put my baseball bag with the troop weight team. So I'm like, Waiting, 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 no bag. And then I get to the stadium oh, no. and I get, you know, a glove from Felix Aradia and some shoes. My, you know, I call my agent and he had some uh, guy from like a sporting goods store brought home a pair of cleats. And so I'm like, okay, you know, get my uniform and I'm just holding up number 56 with the Cubs. And I'm just like, wow, you know, I call my family and everybody and my high school coach, Coach Mathis, which I still talk to probably once a week now. It came down the next day, but that, you know, that night when the phone rung and it's like, you know, Kinger, get up. And I remember jogging into that game and I'm thinking, wow, I'm in Atlanta. I made it to the big leagues. I'm warming up. I got Benito Santiago, my catcher, Mark Grace at first, Blouse and Morandini, Gary Gatti. And I'm just like, all right. And Benito was like, all right, kid, just throw it. I'm like, well, you know, one fastball, two slider. He's like, just throw it. I catch it. So I warm up and then, you know, now, you know, announcer comes on, now batting number 10, Chipper Jones. So the first hitter I faced in the big leagues was Chipper Jones. <laughs> Look where he is now. I get on oh the mound waiting for a sign and Benito's just like, throw it, throw it. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. My heart is pounding. I look over at Gracie and Gracie going like this, slaughter, slaughter, slaughter. Throw him a slaughter ground ball get a ground ball, get out of the inning. And I'm just like, it seemed like it took me 20 minutes to walk from the mound to the dugout because I was on cloud nine. And then, you know, fast forward, you know, finish there and go to Milwaukee for a few years, go to Atlanta, come to St. Louis, you know, Colorado, Washington. And then, like you said, you look back to where, 
one day in the big leagues was amazing. You know, 10 years was a blessing from God to give me an ability to play the game and go out and play it at a level to where I had longevity. And that's the biggest thing in this game to where I watch some young mm. kids now when they come up, you know, they're trying to throw a ball 10,000 miles per hour and they last two or three months in their Tommy John or out of the game to where, you know, I was taught a long time ago, you know, you're not going to run through a wall. You may walk to that wall and see if you can find a door to go through it. And that's kind of like the baseball is, you know, more is less, less is more. And that's why I always had the mentality to where when I came in a pitch, I tried to limit everything, number of pitches, because you only got so many bullets and you're going to run out. So for me to minimize it to right. where I want to get in and get a hitter, I wasn't all about the strikeouts. I'm, you know, if I can get a ground ball double play, I can pitch tomorrow. Now, if I go out though, like some of these kids now, I think I was watching all the night, a reliever at the Cardinals do like 36 pitches in the inning. I'm like, that's like four days of work for me. Wow. So we do, I do want to say, and like I said, I'm just so grateful to have watched you pitch during your time in St. Louis and followed your career afterwards. And yes, we do have the question I thought was there that I thought wasn't is actually there. So our first off, Justin Henry tuning in. Thank you so much, Justin. Um, yes, we have the amazing Ray King on. And yes, Eddie was the one who asked, you know, you pitch for a lot of teams. You start out with the Cubs. You know, you pitch with the Cardinals, the Rockies. Um, and you went to Atlanta. You've had yourself the Brewers even for a season. Nationals. Like, so w let's put it this way. We love you no matter what you say, but it, I guess <laughs> here's the question. Oh, you're putting them on what the spot. What was your favorite? What was but we're your, watching you. Favorite, but we're watching. <laughs> we're watching, but we love you. What's your? What was your favorite right. team to pitch for? Well, of course, St. Louis, because I grew up a Cardinal fan, and then able to come back and pitch there for them years is unbelievable. But you know, the Cubs, you always gonna, the Cubs are always going to. Cubs always going to be here in my heart because that's the team that gave me my first opportunity to get to the big league, big leagues. But pitching for the Cardinals, like I said, once you put that jersey on you always a Cardinal. And like yeah. I said, even leaving there in 05, uh, coming in 06 with the Rockies, I'm in my first game there. I come in a pitch and get a standing ovation for opposing team. And then even there. Yeah, Cardinal fans have always been very kind to players that have come back with, with other teams. Yeah. If you show gratitude and you go out and exactly, and you take responsibility. And I think that's the biggest thing about the Cardinal fan is, if you take responsibility and go out and give it your all, they're always going to support you to where I can't remember any time where a player just had a rough time and in, in St. Louis because the fans always going to support you because, you know, there's there's a game tomorrow. Until you take that uniform off, you can get better. But if you be, you know, grumpy and complain and, you know, get down on the fans or question them, like some other teams I've played on where players are going at it with fans, I'm like, you never see that in St. Louis where opposing team make a great play and they get a stand ovation. So that's what made St. Louis such a great city to yeah. play for. And I think Cardinals don't have done a great job over the years of getting guys coming in with character. I love to hear it. Parker, I'm going to give you the floor for a final question. And then bang yeah, Ray, I, I was going to say that uh, I, I went to a game against Arizona in 08 and X, it was the first time Eckstein came, had come back. David Eckstein was back, and he got a standing ovation from the fans. But I want to ask you, Ray, what what is your take? I, and please be honest with us. 
what is your take on what's going on right now with with the cards? Well, I, I think they got off to such a rough start to where the pitchers are pressing. Um, and then as the hitters, you know, I know it's frustrating for a hitter when you go out and score six, seven runs and you lose that game. But I remember being there. If we scored four runs, there's a 98% chance we're going to win that game. To where I think pitchers now, just like the other night, uh, I was watching the Angels game where, you know, gave up four in the first to where, we give up the runs like that in the first, knowing you're lacking uh, effectiveness coming out of the bullpen. So you just see it. They were flat. We're down by four runs. We're not going to come back. And I, I think the guys need a little uh, – not pep talk because you're at the highest level. You know, Pep talk not going to get you going. But I think they need somebody, a voice in that clubhouse to like, hey, get your head out your rear and let's go. Mm-hmm. Like even tonight, you know, they jumped out one nothing and then gave it back up in the I think second inning. I don't know what the score is now, but it's four three us right now. Yeah. So now guys are starting to look at the scoreboard. Okay, we up four three. Who's warming up in the bullpen? Uh-huh. Where now is this is this out? team a ninety to one hundred game loser? I, I don't think they are, but I, I think I'm hoping we're, you know, Wainwright's not going to come back and be the guy to go 16 and one for the rest of the season. But yeah, I think no, that's he's voice. Not. He's going to be a voice in that, in that dugout or in that rotation with them guys to where it can kind of teach them different, I guess, approaches. Because you look at so many starters to where you look, sometimes they almost look like a deer in the headlights to where I can't make a mistake instead of being aggressive. You got to be aggressive, and I look at some of these starters and some of the bullpen guys. And uh, I'm not going to pick on the manager, but some of the decisions could have been a little different using guys in different situations. To where with Jordan Hicks, he was struggling. You should have took him out of a stressful role and let him work himself mm-hmm. back in, not throw him back into that two-one ball game. To where now he's going to throw 40, 50 pitches and give up two or three runs. To where you just you set him back three weeks instead of okay. We're going to go to another game. We're going to, you know, work on something. Because, yeah. you know, he's exactly. on 105 miles per hour. There's no way you should be hitting like you get, you know, getting hit. And then I like, I read an article. You shouldn't be hitting your own catcher either. Right. And then I saw a thing with uh, Contreras. I loved what he said is we're not pitching with that bulldog mentality. We're like, oh, here it is. Oh, hope he don't hit it. You, you guys in 04, you had that bulldog mentality. You had five guys. Your whole rotation went 200-plus innings pitched. Yeah, because we look at that, you know, it started with, you know, Carpenter, Woody Williams, Supon, Jason Marquis. Matt uh, Morris. came over. And then you look at the bullpen to where we looked at our bullpen with, you know, myself, Kleiner, Mike Lincoln, Julian Tavares, uh, Al Reyes, and then Isnerhausen to where we looked at it. If our starters can get us to the sixth inning, we got a great chance of winning that game. And we did. We won 105 games that year. But we had pitchers that, you know, had that bulldog mentality to where if it's all about closeout, like the same thing. And, you know, you score one run as a pitcher, you got to go out and throw a zero to keep the momentum going. You can't – we score one, go out and give up three. And that was very few times that happened with us. To where we just had that mentality to where we're going to put your, our foot down and we're just going downhill. We're not going to look back to where we're just going forward to. I think some of these guys now are looking back and they got so many young pitchers to where they're looking like, oh, I can't have another bad outing. I'm going to get, I'm going to get sent back to triple A. And I think these guys are pitching scared than aggressive. Absolutely. 
Parker, we're going to have you back on in just a little bit, okay, my friend? Thank you so much for joining us. Yet again, How's it going? Nice to, you. nice to meet you, Ray. You too. All right. So I got before we get bands before we get you, we got one more question I got from uh, Nick. What are your thoughts on your old teammate Scott Rowland going into the Baseball Hall of Fame? I, I love every bit of you know. I remember a couple years ago, a lot of people saying they don't know he's on the fence. He's not a Hall of Famer, but you know Scott playing third base to where he was like a like a vacuum cleaner over there. Anything come close, he made the plays, and and he's a big boy. A lot of people don't realize how big he is to be playing third base, but that. Igel and flexible and just just a great all around great guy. You know, he was a guy that when he shook your hand, he was a firm handshake and made eye contact. And he's just one of them, just you know, good old country boys that played the game the right way. And you know, from Philadelphia coming in St. Louis to where, you know, he's a Gold Glover Hall of Famer, best one of the best guys you know I ever met. I put him up there with Jim Toma, just nice guys in baseball that you know, played the game the right way and the numbers were there and I'm glad he's going in the Hall of Fame. And like I said, I just pats off to him and congratulations to him. Babs, do you got any uh, any final amazing thoughts and as you're looking up the shipping address for those winter boots? No. I know, I see the picture now are on the wall. Where's the Ray King picture at? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you uh, here, we'll do this. I'll send you the boots. You send me a picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that'll work. She, you know what though? I will say this, right? She did such an amazing job with the graphic for tonight. She does with all of our graphics. She did just an amazing job promoting and having you on. So, you know, I, I guess that can make up for the lack of one behind her. We'll, we'll let that one. Let that one slide. <laughs> let that one slide. Well, if, no, it, it, if it makes you feel better, it only it's only one person on the wall. So, I mean, if that, that helps. <laughs> it really oh, is. It's so only it's one just, person. It's just a shrine of Izzy? Yeah. No, it's it's uh, no, it's not Izzy. <laughs> it, it might be Carlos Martinez. <laughs> I love Carlos. But, uh, he, had, he, had, he had the worst hair in baseball. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, he ain't wrong. Sometimes, uh, yes. Him and that kid uh, with his uh, D-backs now, Grundol, with the purple hair. Have you seen that yes. one? Yes. <laughs> I've seen Grundol. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, I think the best thing was bl blonde yachty. That was that was something to oh see. God. I've never yeah. seen Just it. Was like he was pure white from like yeah. head all the way to toe. Yeah. <laughs> so, don't, don't do it again. Don't do it again. Yeah. Don't do it again. No, it was no. a great one off appearance. <laughs> by great, I mean it was bad. Never, right. never again. Yes. Um, Ray. Oh my god. I, I, I can't think. I can't tell you how great it is. Have it's been having you on, man. Like really. Um, you mean a lot to me, to a lot to us, to so many people. So, um, you know, I know, I know, probably, I know your fiance already ate dinner, and I'm sure yours already. I know. <laughs> getting cold. Man. That's a blast. I enjoyed it, and like I say, anytime I can come on and you know talk to him with baseball, that's what I love to do. And you know, anytime, let me know. I will. I'll Thank be in you your so inbox much. for that picture. Okay. <laughs> Are right, you guys have a good one? Thank you. You too. Ray King, Bye. ladies and gentlemen, on Roundabout Sports. Take care, my friend. Uh, it's just amazing to have him on. What an absolute blessing. Um, Parker, we're going to bring you back on as oh, you. we reach the hour and a half mark here on the show. 
it, it was just so great having Ray on. It was great having the Carnival yeah, Cowboy on was, earlier. That was um, that was something special. You know, I think back of you always have those moments in time where you where in your life you say, "Where were you when such and such happened?" Whether it was an, a great moment or a tragedy or just something, you always say to yourself, "Where were you?" All right, where so, was I, where was I when Desert Storm went down? Yeah, Desert Storm. There, or, you I was know. there. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say Parker was in Desert Storm when it went down. So, um, thank you, you know, for, for me, service. yeah, thank you for for me. The uh, one of the interesting Mike Shannon moments was where I was when uh, the Cardinals won the 2013 NL pennant. So I was in one of my parents' cars. I was dropping. I had just gotten done. I had to pick up a car for my parents or something. So some I was in one of the cars driving, and I was listening to Camel X on the radio. And I pulled over into the parking lot just so I could listen to the rest of the game on the radio. And listening to John and Mike, and Mike was the one calling the ninth inning, and it was so exciting to hear him. Um and say how the Cardinals are going back to the World Series, you know. And once again, it's unfortunate they didn't make the World Series. But, um, yeah, I just – Parker, give me your uh, thoughts. We might actually have one more guest on the show this evening. So, Parker, give me your thoughts on, like, one of those where you were you moments with the great Mike Shannon call. Sure. Um, this was – all right, this was the final day of the – 2011 regular season. Uh, I had the TV on, the, the picture, had the TV picture on, but I turned, I muted the sound and wanted to play the radio. So when I was there, when Mike Shannon said we had made the playoffs, I was there with my old, my older son. That was one of the things I remember being special about that year in 2011 that my older son and I bonded over that pennant race. But the final three outs of that game, we got to listen to the great Mike Shannon. Absolutely. Um, and Nick says, stay blessed. Nick, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for all the love and support you guys give us. Um, it means Bye, so Nick. much. Um, and so... Babs. Eddie Jameson says, oh. says I'm a legend. Yeah, Eddie does say you're a legend. <laughs> right. um, we'll discuss what's going on with Eddie. If that's what, no, I'm kidding. No, we, we love Eddie, oh, Nick, everybody. So I want to bring on our next guest. This is our final special guest for this evening. Um, he is a radio DJ at USMI out of Litchfield, Illinois. Um, and for those that don't know, that's a classic country station. Um, and he's also been a former guest on the show and, uh, dear Cardinal, uh, longtime Cardinal fan, dear friend, uh, Sean Valiant, everybody. Thank you, Sean, for joining us this evening. Hi, Sean. Ooh, I like that. I like that hey, cat. hey, what's going on? It is. It's the, it's the genuine article. That is the same that that Yeah. Not that I look anything like Eddie Goodell, but Hey. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say. Um, at my height, even I'm not, I'm five, five, and I'm still a couple feet away from him. 
Um, <laughs> so I'll tell you, and I'll bring Sean, I can bring I, up in a moment. Oh gosh, Sean. So I have to ask, you know, long time, you know, Cardinal fan, long time X listener, you know, first reaction to the passing of Mike Shannon. Well, you know, I think like a lot, um, I heard that it had been a battle. You know, he had the long COVID from what I understand that heard his final season. I mean, you could tell he was in a real tug of war with his health. And um, so, um, and, you know, I think what he was at the park for the first time in a while. And I think people also knew he was having a hard time. So it was, it, it's sad, but, you know, it's almost like, um, like Brian right away when he, stop coaching football and, and a short time after that you just uh, i'm not not trying not to sound like i'm speculating or saying anything about what happened it's almost like um you know a big part of them has, has passed on when they leave when you become so a part of a program for so long and and uh you remember that emotion he had at the ceremony uh, I think we were kind of all surprised that, you know, big alpha male Mike Shannon, uh, when he just completely broke down and, you know, that was, it was tough. And I'm sure, I, I think he, um, probably in, enjoyed the peace and quiet of Marine, Illinois, but by the same token, it, it's, um, it's tough to leave that office. It's so much more than a job. You know, what's, you know, for you've listened to Camo X with, you know, millions of other fans for decades. Um, and you've seen, you saw the partnership that he had, the chemistry with Jack Buck and how it evolved with the one with John Rooney. Um, you know, what's it like just knowing that you got to be a part of something that spanned not just one generation, but multiple generations because Mike Shannon transcended more than just one set of Cardinal fans. Boy, no doubt about it. And, and it's interesting, you know, of course, the younger the reporter doing a piece, um, um, the less they know of Mike Shannon, the player. I mean, yeah, I, when he talks about those sixties pictures or when he talked about it, I, I I'm sure you guys are the same thing. Uh, the chills. I mean, you know, the, that was just a special era. Um, I almost call it like the biblical era of pitching with all the legends that went through the sixties. So when you're hitting home runs in a world series as a young man off Whitey Ford, that's the first home run. What first home run in Canada, I believe. And first home run at Bush stadium. They'll call it Bush stadium too. To me, sportsman's park is sportsman's park. And there have only been two Bush stadiums. I don't care what it was called after Thank the brewery. Game. Yeah. It'll always be Mark to me, but anyway, not that I got to see it, but yeah, it, it, it's, um, and, and you know, you, and I think all three of you know that, uh, seems changed a, a, a lot and I, I don't know about your preference, but I, I, I get a little tired of whip war and OPS. I mean, there's a place for it. Exit velocity. I think it meshes well on television where you can put it on the screen, but gosh, I, I the storytelling and um you know hearing him talk to uh, the 60s and when players didn't have all the creature comfort 
and dealing with segregation. It was almost as valuable as the, the movie The Great because he told you what they went through and how people kind of stuck their necks out. Now, Stan Musial was ahead of his time in that regard. Kind of set the stand. Um, probably had an impact on Mike because, uh, you know, Mike certainly was passionate about what the the players emerging from the end of the Negro Leagues and desegregating. Uh, those incredible. Is there anything uh, live show at Shannon's? Yeah, I know. I know a few people that went to one of the live shows uh, he would have at his at Shannon's and. It was always a hot, how was a hot spot to be? Because that's the thing, you know, they were, Mike Shannon transcended beyond the Cardinals. You know, Nick had commented earlier in the show, you know, with his involvement with Fast Eddie's. How many times do you hear on the radio, if you're 21 and in the mood, come on down to Fast Eddie's Bonaire in Alton, Illinois. And, you Get know, a big one, big boy. <laughs> <laughs> It's I think that's my... It sounds just like that too. Oh it sounds my gosh! Just like yes. That too. That, that <laughs> Seriously. Was a delivery. I, yeah. Yes. I honestly, I love that. That's um, so yeah, I mean, gosh, just that doesn't look like a core memory. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing. Like, and you think of all the commercials he was a part of, and all the appearances on local broadcasts he was a part of. I mean, there's so much about Mike winter Shannon. Warm up he was a part of. Yeah, and winter warm-ups, spring training. He was, you know, we always talk about how, obviously, Stan Musial is the man. Red Shandies is Mr. Cardinal. Mike Shannon's essentially Mr. St. Louis because of just how much he meant to this community and how much he did, you know, for this community, he grew up in it, around it, with it, you know, and and it's funny that uh, Bing Divine even said that there was a chance that if he had stuck with football, he could have won the Heisman Trophy. He was so physically gifted at football. Uh, you know, and, and, you and the guy started playing for the hometown team. Oh, man. What do you pull yeah, for got, the for big red, right? Uh -huh. Could have done a, could have done a, uh, a neon Dion, or a, wouldn't that have been something? Bo Jackson, Dave, yeah. What was the guy, yeah. Dave the Busher, or whatever? Brian Jordan. Yeah, no, Brian Jordan. That would have yeah. been something. And, and the big red have done Stranger Things. I'm not. I'm surprised they didn't draft him, but I guess. He wasn't in college, so they couldn't. <laughs> well, yeah. They, they I did draft Gibson at one point. Or, oh, you know what? I you ever see tape of, Kirk, of uh, Kirk Gibson of Michigan State? Yeah, I have. I always thought it was a novelty, and then I saw a tape of him. I he was a monster on the football field. I only saw it a couple of years yeah, ago. Was. I just thought, oh, I thought that's, you know, nice trivia night novelty. And, like, man, he was a player. Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah, Big Bing Divine was running the football Cardinals at one point, and he wanted Kirk Gibson. Mm. Kirk Gibson, Joe Willie Namath, and they—they had some interesting picks that didn't pan out. And then 
everyone's favorite Dairy Queen manager, Kelly Stover. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not going to report for training camp. I'm going to I'm going to manage a Dairy Queen in Nebraska. Greatest holdout of all time. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, ah. Kelly Stover. Yeah, I'm not going to work on the post patterns. I'm going to make blizzards. <laughs> hey, hey, come on. Hey, come on. One year they I mean, I get 82, they drafted EJ Jr. and Neil Lomax in the same draft. Yeah. That's what gets you. George Boone. Um, uh, George Boone, I think, actually knew how to draft. I think he was told, okay, you got to get some flake going to sign in the first round. I don't know. But speaking of that, here's Shannon on the final eight big red broadcasts as a color guy with, uh, with uh, Bill Wilkerson. It's a forgotten thing. Uh, and when I was introduced to Shannon, I actually talked to him. He had forgotten about it. He looked at me like I was crazy. As I like to say, uh, right reaction, wrong reason. I love that. You know, yeah, I look he, like, he didn't remember. He, I think he's like Dan Kelly and Jack Buck. Uh, he probably could have worked hockey games and other things. He really could have. And, you know, when we talk about his links, when we had Ray on, we were talking about how he was one of those last links to like the old school broadcasting. Um, and for me, I look at another interesting tidbit. So, you know, Mike Shannon was on the 1964 team that won the World Series. Um, now, along with the past, the recent passing last week, um, not probably just about two days earlier of uh, legendary uh, ball player Dick Grote, um, and last year's passing of Mike or of Kurt Simmons, and now Mike Shannon. There's only a handful of players, Cardinals players, still alive from that 1964 World Series team. Um, you know, just to name three off the bat. Um, Julian Javier, Dow Maxville, and Bill White. Um, and like I said, there, and then let's also not forget Tim McCarver, who just recently passed away as well. Um, Ed Spezia oh, yeah. is also still alive. But you, you know, the links, we talk about how much all the memories from the booth go. So do all those stories that are made and all those memories that are made. And with each passing player, those links to those historic teams, because 64 Cardinals are one of the greatest teams, arguably, of all time, and definitely in Cardinals history. And we, you know, and he was a part of the 67 and 68 teams as well. I was going to say the 67 so, and 68 teams were probably better statistically than the 64. Well, and they were better statistically, definitely. So, you know, it, it's just hard seeing these, these legends pass away. Um, you know, because tomorrow isn't guaranteed, but we definitely just got to uh, cherish the memories we have of either watching them, listening, or both. Is there any call, Sean, in particular, that really sticks out to you? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, everybody loves the, Car the Carrie Wood one. Everybody, uh, uh, I think like a lot of people, the the one off a of Lidge special. Um, yes. I... I you know, to me, I love to get up, get up, baby. And just like Rooney's talk, Connor, get up. You know, it's just like, yeah, isn't it just Superman radio serials? You know, like you'd have to say things, you know, a guy, you know, if a guy's going to fly, he's like, 
oh, altitude 35. You know, he's not going to say those things. But you have to, up, you have Superman take, get up, baby. You just picture that, the humidity pouring into the seats. I loved it. And if there was a big moment, you know, unlike these guys who do the same call that sounds the same way every time, just like Rooney, if it's a big situation, get up, baby. Just sound like a cowboy hopping onto a horse and saving yeah. the day in the Western. I love that call. I, in fact, I, I was just thinking about Mike the other day, like two weeks ago, got behind a truck that had the plates get up. And I thought, Dah, that's the plate. <laughs> that's awesome. That is yeah, crazy. And, yeah. And of course, definitely, definitely in my book, that was the best home run call ever by any announcer, period. Cardinals or uh, otherwise. So was he the reason why you're in radio? Yeah. You know, I would probably lean. Um, I'd probably lean on Jack Buck uh, a little more, but uh, and really both of them soundtrack of my life. And um, between those two and Wilkerson, I got into it to be a play-by-play guy. I kept getting nudged out by you know politics and everything else. So I wound up being a news guy and doing ridiculous kind of things on a Howard Stern type show. But thank God that was pre-social media. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Like everything. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. Yeah, we'd like you to show up at a Halloween broadcast uh, as a Hooters girl. Oh, okay. Uh, and talk to the governor the next day. Really? Okay. I'm not trying to picture it. It's like a 70s variety show, but without... I was going to say, without the live studio audience in attendance... <laughs> Yeah, you know, it was nuts. That's why I thought, you know, I really should have on a microphone behind a diamond, you know, but, but that, you know, it's just, um, but you know, it's, it's funny. And, and uh, a couple of guys they used to work with, they always said that play by play kind of made for a good news guy. Cause you know, news people get so stiff. Oh, today the legislature meets. Uh, gavel will fall on the 187th session of the Missouri legislature. And with the super president Kennedy is dead at, what, at 1 p.m. Central Time. Yes, yes, yes. Let me see here. Get it. I that Fast Eddie's uh, commercial is still replaying in my head, y'all. <laughs> get a big Elwood, big boy. Why am I not surprised? President John Fitzgerald yes. Kennedy, best of Parkland Hospital. Yeah. One o'clock Central Standard Time. Oh, that guy was special, wasn't he? Walter? I still yeah. gotta get He's some. in Missouri. Yeah. I got to go to that museum sometime in St. Joe. But the clout of that guy, can you imagine having a clout that that guy, I mean, yeah, we've made all this fuss about Tucker Carlson, Don Lemon and all that certainly moved the needle, but you compare their numbers to the sheer power of Cronkite. Oh, gee. Hard I mean, to imagine. Uh, I'll save the space. Who was the first person you heard when Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon? Walter Cronkite. Yes. Hey, man. 
July 20th, 1969, a man has landed on the moon. You know, I didn't realize how much sports they did back in those days, too, and like um, how colorful they were, like the 1968 World Series, and let's go to so-and-so from St. Louis, and a guy had all these colorful things, and Bob Gibson is some kind of Greek god, and all this other right. stuff, and I thought, boy, that was a neat era. It was nice. It's nice having, you know, those notable names that are like the soundtracks to our lives. And that's what guys like Jack Buck and Mike Shannon and yes, even John Rooney are, especially to me, you know, the soundtracks of our lives. And well, that's what Tim McCarver was. And Tim McCarver. You know, I always see I was I never really minded the whole Joe Buck. And although I do, you know, there was football I don't know. Joe Buck to me is a staple of sports, as was Tim McCarver when it came to broadcasting. You know, there's always things you're going to disagree with with the broadcasters, but, you know, there's this, like, for me, I'll be honest, my all-time favorite is Al Michaels. Um, and Do you believe in miracles? Oh, I just, yeah. Miracles! Yeah. Yes! Oh. So, I, you know, I will but, never that. You know, just hearing Mike Shannon, just whether my parents are driving us on a road trip or we're on our way to my grandparents on a typical Sunday family dinner, or even there was times when I was a little kid and we were playing, a, you know, flag, I was playing in a flag football league or something. And if we're not having 103.3 KLU on for the Rams games uh, with Steve Savard and DeMarco Farr, we're having KMOX on for the Cardinal games with Mike Shannon and John Rooney. So it worked out one way or another. St. Louis, you know, the history of broadcasting is so deep and rich here. Um, Four, three, and, going to the bottom of the seventh. Yeah. So, John, I just wanted to say how much I appreciate you being on with us this evening, oh. you know, sharing your thoughts and well, memories. I appreciate it. It was, uh, it, those were special years. And Mike Shannon's Steak and Seafood Restaurant. Well, I brought up Eddie Goodell, you know, and I had a joking reference, but the, I mean, that was a museum. And if you, you, if you pay close attention, man, those prints told some, and, you know, people he faced and Eddie Goodell print in the, um, his buy or in the men's restroom. And it was Solon look in a locker room and, um, it was a reminder, and I don't think this was an accident. I, I think there was a lot of heart in that place. And it showed you that Eddie Goodell was a real person, you know, Mr. Three and Five Eights. And he met a very sad end, uh, was mugged and killed. Uh, I, I just thought there were special times. Um, you know, I, I think there never went there thinking, well, I'm not classy enough, and it was nothing like that. I mean, the only class was massive Ball fans, but uh, you yeah, know, he uh, said he appeared on a major league diamond again in 1959 when the White Sox wow. were when the White Sox were going to a for winning their pennant. He wasn't playing, he was Bill Beck was doing another one of his stunts. He had a bunch of yeah, he had a midgets disguised as Martians capturing Luis Aparicio. And Eddie Goodell was one of the Martians. Mars attacks, Mars attacks too, uh, featuring Eddie Goodell. 
Well, you know, well, sure. some, you talk about being the soundtrack of someone's life. I had this, and I'm so happy that I could be the soundtrack of others' lives, and that's so important. The only problem is they're mostly in therapy. But anyway, back oh, to you. Geez. Well, Sean, we're gonna. Ha- <laughs> I'm gonna tell you one I, thing. Wow, we're gonna. I know you've been on before, and I yeah. look forward to when I get the blessing to have you on the show again for an extended time. You know, I just want to thank you so much for being on this evening, my friend. So, all right, I hope I was too much. You are. You've been wonderful, and I'll talk to you later, brother. Sean Ballant, ladies and gentlemen. Good to talk to you. Ron, take care. Good to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I'm better in small small quantities. No, (laughs) oh man, such an amazing guy, and you know, well, there we are. So. I'll be honest, folks, we're going to be wrapping wrapping it up here this evening, folks. Um, I have a really quick question. Go for it, man. Does anybody anybody know what's in the the Mike Shannon's restaurant? Is there anything in it right now? That is a good question. Um, Because I was thinking that they can maybe make it into like a historical site for him. Or do something like tribute wise because it's like right next door to everything down there and it's in walking distance of Ballpark Village. Right. So I just know that uh, last year it had closed. Um, and yeah, well, I don't know what more. It, it, the reason I think is because the reason it closed was because it was going to. Uh, expand the mike shannon's grill concept that was going on um oh, so okay. but the restaurant i know the restaurant was also a big hot spot when the blues were in the stanley cup and everything and fans were crowding there like crazy so we'll see what ends up happening i just know one thing is that um tributes continue to be poured out for mike shannon and all deservedly so you know, once again, we had mentioned he was a broadcaster for over 50 years for the Cardinals. Um, and I I love, um, and I put it, I remember, in the article um, about what Mike Shannon said and that he wants people to know that he enjoyed himself and that he wanted people to know that he had a good time. And, you know, that's all we can ask for. And we can be thankful for. And before we close it up this evening, folks, as always, I want to mention that we have the uh, NAMI hotline uh, at 1-800-950-NAMI. That is 1-800-950-NAMI, the largest uh, grassroots nonprofit organization for awareness of mental illness. Um, and also, we always put up the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. And for that, you dial 988 understand folks that you're never alone in this world there is always somebody out there that loves you and cares about you and if you're struggling it's just a phone call and a text message away it's open 24 7 365 366 on leap years um it's then you also could be there for somebody else to be those listening ears so we're all we're all on the same planet. We're all here for a reason. We just got to spread the love and stick by each other. I want to thank Ray King, the Cardinal Cowboy, and Sean Ballant for being on this evening. And, of course, Parker and Babs. It means a lot to me. 
Um, Thanks for having me. Until next time, folks. I'm the Maestro Jeremy Carr. Life, Life is a book full of empty pages just waiting to be written in. Make your lives worth reading. Good night.